movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 125. Come on, there we go. Weird technical issues. My mouse doesn't want to cooperate, but um, we're back, and I'm excited for tonight's topic. Um, in my eyes, Godzilla vs. Kong, I think, has learned a lesson from Godzilla King of the Monsters in terms of how to market a movie. King of the Monsters yeah. advertised way too early and showed way too much whereas king of the monsters spoiler alert there's actually a third monster that doesn't show up in any of the trailers i applaud them for that um often the case though marketing can hurt a movie that's what we're going to talk about today worst movie marketing either mistakes fails marketing campaigns is an entirety um so there's a lot more examples than you might think but before we get into that josh how you doing tonight? How's your finger? Oh, hey, buddy. Oh, th- these fingers are fine. This one is missing a piece. <laughs> uh, I, so I work in a kitchen, and uh, I was chopping some green onions, and I uh, got a little bit more than just a green onion. <laughs> a little bit of a, now it is a red onion. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah. It, but like the knife was so sharp, it cut. It was like such a clean cut, like nothing mattered. It was. I mean, it, it bled for. I think we, like, we were finally able to stop it at forty-five minutes at the ER. But, yeah, yeah, it was tough. But. So, um, besides whatever was on in the TV in the ER, you watching anything <laughs> good? Which man, they must have known I was coming because how to tra- the first How to Train Your Dragon was <laughs> of the first course it was. Was like, oh, yeah! Of course it was. That's awesome. Um, of course see. it was. I haven't watched anything this week. No, I don't think so. Some YouTube baby, I think, and but that's about it. Wow. Yeah. It's been a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty lame week. It's all right. I'll make up for both of us. It's been a very busy oh, week yeah? for me in terms of uh, reading and watching. Um, so, doing my Mortal Kombat homework because I'm t- absolutely a noob for Mortal Kombat stuff. I watched the animated. I think it's Mortal Com. I forget what it's called. Mortal Kombat Legacy, maybe Scorpion's Revenge, the animated movie. Oh, the yeah. animated movie from a few years back. I was on HBO Max. It's really that? not my thing. Um, okay. Like I get that this movie's all about the fatalities, and you can get as violent as you want in an animated form, but like. Pausing the movie for like five to ten seconds just to get a super super slow mo, just like how it is in the games, really interrupts the narrative. But also, it's just not my thing. It was fine. It's not the worst animated movie I've seen from Warner Brothers, um, Batman Hush. But it also just it wasn't that great. <laughs> I think it's a lot like the original Mortal Kombat movie. Like if you know the material, you'll have a really good time with it. I think it's kind of like Batman versus Ninja Turtles. If you grow up with that material, you're really going to like it. If you didn't, it might not be your thing. It's not a bad movie. It just was not my thing. Um, Heather and I also watched Jack Black's Goosebumps. Um, okay. It's been on my list for a while. I heard good things yeah. about it. And I actually really, really liked it. It was pretty good. There's a couple lines that I actually was just like, that's pretty clever writing. And I've made it known quite a few times on this podcast my feelings on jack black um i will not be watching the second one though because he's not in it like they basically i've already looked ahead to see who's in the second one and like nobody came back for the second one and i wonder why it had such a big drop off um box office wise but yeah the first one has some really really clever dialogue i didn't grow up reading the ghost 
not Ghostbusters, uh, the Goosebumps <laughs> series too much. Um, so, like, I was kind of familiar with some of the monsters, but not, overall, I really wasn't too familiar. As a movie, though, it still stands up pretty well. There's a couple of really good lines in there. There's something about, uh, they do that cliche, new kid in town line, but the kid and the mom are joking about, like, well, where would you want me to take the job? There's a nice offering in Hawaii I could have taken, maybe down in Detroit. And I'm just like, uh, moving on. Let's not, <laughs> let's, are we allowed to joke about Detroit in a kid's movie? But okay. No. Um, but more importantly, it's not what I'm watching. It's what I read. Oh. So, um, I have the digital copy of Nightwing 78, the one that like Tom, uh, Taylor and crew started. It's basically from scratch. Um, I have the digital copy of that, but I've been on the hunt for the paper version because I like physical copies, and it's been sold out everywhere, which is a, it's a good thing. It means other people are enjoying the issue as well. But um, I stopped by um, my favorite comic book store, and I'm just browsing the DC Comics section, and what do I find in the U section that I didn't even know existed but a six-issue Uncharted series? Written by the guy that's currently writing The Flash in DC Rebirth, Josh Williamson. No way. Who also wrote Batman, The Flash, The Button story that I talk about a few times on the podcast. I was just like, "Uh, I didn't know this existed. Here's $15. This is mine now. And I read it that night. And it's the the game. It's basically the first time Nate meets Chloe. Um, And it's actually really, really good. I, I can imagine why it's not on DC Universe, because it's a third-party game i already looked it's the only volume that ever existed but yeah there's an uncharted comic that has nate um sully the first time he meets chloe it's basically before the first one and i think it's even before golden abyss the psp game but yeah it's just like crazy me the completionist i have to ingest everything didn't even know this existed so i see just uncharted on the side of a comic and i'm just like that's not no what I think it's gonna be. Yeah, and it that's was, great. and it was just like, oh, this is by a writer that I actually recognize and really enjoy. So I was just like, yes, and I really, I really dug it. Now I'm uh, reading, I think Nightwing Volume Seven in Rebirth, right before you get shot in the head. So you know, right when I checked out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, good for you, man. I did. I've been catch. I need to catch up on. Incredible, Invincible. Sorry, oh, I yeah. think I have. I think I have like episode or two to watch. I don't remember. I think we're up to. Th- I think you're up to three now. Well, we have four episodes total. Okay, okay. Last time I looked, I don't know. I've I've forgotten when the episodes drop, so I'm kind of at a loss. But I mean, if I'm only two hour two episodes behind, that's like. That's that's pretty good each, for you. Maybe yeah, like that's that's pretty good. Are Normally they hour or half behind. hour? I'm trying to. I think they're about thirty to forty five. Okay, so okay. Like a fairly average average length. Um, I mean they're pretty solid in my opinion. But oh yeah, you you know the material better. I, see, here's the thing though. This is what's been what's really been making me laugh is I went to, to the comment section on Amazon. Uh, of like, well, you know, because they have like, this is the series, and like, you people can put in comments below and stuff like that. Yeah. And the amount of people that were like, I re- I read this series and this wasn't in it. Blah, 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 blah. All this fourth wave feminism. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, bro, literally, what are you 
that was in the con what are you talking about get out of here you're crazy like, like as far uh, as i've as far as i have seen it's a pretty direct adaptation like art mm -hmm. style story i haven't watched it yet but i'm just like everything i've seen and what i my limited knowledge of the comic from you and just from general research i'm like this seems pretty spot on like what what are you complaining about i'll yeah. give credit amazon between this and the boys is making their mark in the superhero genre in terms of also accuracy and quality mm -hmm. of like they're going we don't care if it's on the page or not we're doing it and they're they're going balls to the wall with it which i kind of really appreciate Oh, absolutely. The uh, the it basically when it comes to Invincible, the show, if you can finish episode one and you're not immediately hooked, that's okay. I understand, but uh, you probably don't like superheroes or superhero <laughs> stories. Then oh no, <laughs> I just can't stand that J.K. Simmons guy. Anything that he's in, I just oh, cannot what? watch. Whiplash. <laughs> Terrible, yeah, terrible, terrible movie. Terrible. He's the worst J. Jonah Jameson. He's the worst superhero casting of all time. I don't understand the hype. It's not like he's one of the greatest <laughs> actors alive. No. You know, you know whatever. No, but like, just story-wise, if you can get, get, if you get to the end of episode one and you don't want to continue, like, I, I, I'd quite, at least for like our friendship, I would deeply question like your your love for comic book stories because jeez <laughs> no i feel like I, would, I feel like i would like it. it's just a matter of you know getting around to it just add it to the list what? of everything else what you got a lot to watch these days or something what's wrong with you dude i'm still behind i still haven't finished the first season of creep show on shutter and that's been like top of my i need to finish this at some point i've got that and then i still going to do smallville sm some point uh superman and lois i've heard is good and i've watched the first few episodes and i like that They're Stop putting stuff on streaming services, guys. We're almost done with COVID. We're we're good on content. Said no one ever. <laughs> it's just yeah. that, it's that tough balance of I want all the stuff. I'm stressed from having so much stuff I need to watch. <laughs> yes, absolutely. What was it? I think it was actually I think it was yesterday. I was talking having a discussion about um, streaming services with somebody of like how it's kind of ruined us in a way because like. When it when it comes to like Disney shows and they're doing an episode a week, which um, I prefer. Oh, I do too. I but they're like, yeah, but like it's annoying for me because I'm so we've been so spoiled. I can just watch the whole series in one go. Oh, you and, mean like yeah. TV used to so, be? <laughs> like yeah, that's exactly. I was like, so did you not watch cartoons as a kid or? Yeah, like that's yeah, like. I don't know. It builds up your audience better over time yeah. if you do that. Yeah. All right, but talk about an audience. Yeah, this is... File this one under. I genuinely didn't think this was ever going to happen just because we've been moving at a snail's pace on this project. And we're mm -hmm. talking, of course, about Indiana Jones 5, which is more or less in pre-production now as they've gotten both some actors attached to it as well as the man, the myth, the legend, John Williams. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I'm a little worried. Like, I'm excited that John Williams is coming back. But I'm a little nervous because he is over 90, as I'm fading to Josh's reaction now. 
I just, you don't tell me when you do these things. Like, you just put <laughs> stupid hats on. And I'm like, well, I can't be mad because it fits the conversation. <laughs> so I had an Indiana well, Jones hat, like a proper one from Disney World, but it doesn't fit my big old dome anymore. So this is my grandpa's hat because he was just a styling guy. Um, I'm, I'm a little worried that we're getting John Williams back. Like, not in the sense of quality. John Williams is synonymous with Indiana Jones. We've had Star Wars movies without John Williams. We've never had a Indiana Jones movie without him. That being said, he is 90. He's over yeah. 90. Like, are we really going to work this poor man to death with Indiana Jones movies? Um, so he's coming back to score the music. Harrison Ford, we already knew, was coming back. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge, which... Unfortunately, the only thing I've actually seen her in or heard her in is Solo. Like, I know she's really well known for Fleabag, but I haven't seen that. Um, just add it to the ever-growing list of things that I haven't seen yet. Um, but she's a really big name, both from a acting standpoint, but also from a behind-the-scenes standpoint. Like, I think she was one of the creative people on Fleabag. I think, like, a writer or producer or something. Um, so she's a big up-and-coming name. I'm, I'm indifferent to it I, just because I don't know her that well. The key for me is what Harrison Ford shows up for this movie. Are we going to have, admittedly, one of the better ones in recent memory with him in Force Awakens when he actually was clearly trying because he thought it would be his last turn as Han. Uh-huh. Or are we going to have Bruce Willis, Han Solo, uh, Harrison Ford of just, I don't care. I just want to get paid. Um, yeah. Which, admittedly... He's never phoned it in for Indiana Jones. Even as yeah. bad as Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was, he's still giving everything he had to that. And I, unpopular opinion, I don't think Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is all that bad until about the halfway point once they start going all in with the alien stuff. Like, mm-hmm. the whole, I'm old now, and like, oh, I thought that jump was closer. Like, that's funny. That, that worked. It's the whole... These are alien skulls are kind of where you lost me. However, I'm still cautiously optimistic about this movie because it's James Mangold directing this. For those that don't know, James Mangold did Walk the Line, Logan. He most recently did Ford v. Ferrari. This guy is a talented, talented director. So if anybody can make this work, it's probably going to be him. And here's where I really lose some people. At the current stage of their careers... I think Indiana Jones is in better hands with James Mangold than it would be with Steven Spielberg. I like Spielberg, but he's not the name that he used to be. Like, I I think Ready Player One is fine, but could it have been better with a different director? Absolutely. That's kind of why I have more faith with Mangold in this situation. Um, but Josh, do you see, supposedly, that Indiana Jones 5 is going into production sometime soon do you actually believe that it's coming out next year with its scheduled july release date do you like the casting what do you we haven't talked about indy 5 in a while yeah we don't talk well maybe because there wasn't really a lot of news to talk Mm -mm. about other Uh, than the game yeah i i share your concern with william with uh williams coming back i think i don't think Harris, like like you said, I don't think Harris would is gonna phone it in. It's indie. I mean, I, he might have like went hard on Crystal Skull because he might have thought it would be the last time. 
to pass off the torch, but who knows? Maybe they'll successfully do that this time. So, but um, ah, oh, jeez, I forgot her name. But the the lady from Fleabag. Yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Bro, she is great. Have you like, seen Fleabag? I've watched the entire. Th- okay. Yes. Okay. Cool. So you have more of a reference yes. than I do. Yeah, she's great. Um, also, shout out to Fleabag. It's a fantastic show. I think when I finished when I finished it, I told you you needed to watch it. Is Andrew Scott um, on that one? Moriarty. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Yes. Oh my goodness, and he's great on it too. He's like it's Andrew it's, Scott. Of course, he's great. I'm well, it, but it's like it's such a different character from Mor- Mor- Moriarty. Words. Mor- Moriarty. Moriarty. And then an enemy. That guy from Sherlock Holmes. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's such a yeah, it's such a different character that it, it almost like throws throws you off at first. Regardless. Um, uh, all right, confession time. Uh oh. Crystal Skull was my first Indiana Jones movie. It was mine in theaters. Uh, it was mine. Period. Really? Seen, I had never seen an Indiana Jones movie before that. Hmm. So, for me, I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." Like I got, I understood the general idea because of Indiana Jones just from pop culture, but like. So when they were like aliens, I was like, "Okay, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, whatever." <laughs> I mean, what? A, that's it could not be bad. Worse. That's not bad. Yeah, I, I mean, even like stuff like the the giant ants was like the genuinely terrifying because like I didn't know stuff like that could exist in this little in this series and stuff like that. So it was. I, I guess I'm I'm I I didn't I know I've never understood the hate of, of, of Crystal Skull. That's so. fair. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Sure, why not? We needed what well, you and I have been saying. We need a new like treasure hunting adventure movie for a while. So yes. Now, do you actually think it'll come out next year? Yeah, I think you know I, I'm I'm so used to giving like question marks on the ends of statements now that like you know I was like hey yeah this will come out in in two months mm. and then it gets moved back a year. Well, I think things are slowly kind of like getting back to things are getting into production. Now, um, I had to do a little research on this one because I I made this a while ago. That's how long this has been in production for. Um, But I did a video way back. I'll put the little card here to thank you guys to it. But um, there's five things in particular. Any one of these I'd be fine with for the next Indiana Jones. But these are the five things narratively or treasure hunt wise that I would like Indy to try and find. I want him to find uh, King Solomon's Mines. One, because the librarian already basically stole a lot of its inspiration from Indiana Jones, so you should steal it back. King Solomon's Mines is a pretty well-known treasure hunt story. Or Pandora's Box. I'm actually amazed that they have not tried this sooner because that sounds like an Indiana Jones thing right off the bat of just this mythical object that unleashes everything. Plus, I like it better when Indy has to find something that could be used as a weapon and it's a race against time to try and stop whatever enemy it is. Usually the Nazis, the best stories are the Nazis at least, and Pandora's box obviously can be used as a weapon. Next, Atlantis. Come on now. Indiana Jones trying to find Atlantis. That just writes itself. 
Although it might skew a little too close to National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets territory, in which case, finding lost civilizations, etc., etc. Um, then my last two, Indiana Jones to me works best when he's trying to find biblical objects. So, again, bring it back to the weapon. What happens if Indiana Jones is tasked with trying to find the Horn of Joshua, the horn that brought down the walls of Jericho? Mm. Of blow this and your enemy's fortresses come right down or something like that. So obviously he's looking for it and the Nazis will be looking for it. However, the number one thing that I want more than any other thing for Indiana Jones to try and track down is Excalibur. Yeah. Come on. And maybe the reason he's looking for it is whosoever finds this sword shall rule over all of Europe. And why would the Nazis be interested in that at all? Hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying I need Indy to fight with Excalibur. That's a little too fan fiction here. But looking for some mythological weapon, that is right up Indy Avenue. And come on, man. Just say it. Indiana Jones and Excalibur, that sounds too good to be true to me. Um, Josh, yeah. if you're making Indy 5, what's he on the hunt for? I mean, any of those sound, sound about right. I question for you. Answer, maybe. I'm trying to remember, but there was a treasure hunt movie about Pandora's box, wasn't there? It's probably like within, one of the librarian movies. Mm, I, I almost want to say it was a, one of the mummies, but no, that doesn't the sound first right. one he's looking for the Book of the Dead. The second yeah. one they're trying to stop the oh, the, it's the Book of Life or something. Yeah, and then the third one's Dragon Emperor. But yeah, I feel like Pandora's box is probably I from feel something. Like it's, it's it's been done in the past fifteen years, and I don't remember. I I have a whole scene in my head, like I about Pandora's box and like a girl reaching into a pool where where it's been hidden or something. I just I can't remember what movie it's from. I don't think it's a librarian movie, but I could be wrong. Who knows? Um, but yeah, any of those sounds great. I mean. It'd be cool to. I feel like El Dorado is. Oh, you know, the, that's, that's a good one. But like, see, I feel like that's like. That's two National Treasure two. That one's like that's exactly yeah, what they're looking that's, for. That's like that's too like that's that's the go to for treasure movies. Like mm-hmm. ah, let's go. We're gonna go find El Dorado. I mean, but, spoiler alert, people. El Dorado is not a city. It's a golden it's, idol that's cursed. Okay. Please, please <laughs> okay. do that. Okay, Uncharted one. Anyway, um, which okay, but I, like I was gonna say that like El Dorado, but like Uncharted at least did something different with it. It wasn't like yeah. we found the city. It was, but like we found El Dorado, but we also found out it's a cursed idol and it turns people into vampires. Like that's cool. That's really cool. Um, maybe, and I wouldn't mind seeing Indy do something like that. Maybe with. Hmm. So basically, what what we need is sticking with the Uncharted thing. We need Indy basically to be the new Sully. Yeah, why not? And so the big question here is: Do you think we're going to actually introduce a character in the fifth one to to kind of take over from Indy, or are we just going to like let Indy do his thing and then try to wave him wave off wave him off into the sunset? 
Uh, I don't know, because they tried to do the passing of the torch thing in the last one with Shia LaBeouf, so I don't see them trying to do it again. Just, I trust them to do it more with the directors this time around. That being said, I feel like they got burned. I, we still don't think Shia LaBeouf was miscast. It was the no. story involved with it, and the character of Mutt was not that great, but... I think Shia could have carried the franchise. I really do had he, you know, not gotten that car accident. But, um, yeah, it, I don't know if they'll go full on past the torch. I just want them to end this properly. However, since it's James Mangold, I can't shake the thinking that this will be basically Logan, except with Indiana Jones, which yeah. I'm, I'm also fine with that, too. Yeah. No, yeah. Like any chance to finally get, get say goodbye to these characters is i think a good opportunity like especially like when it's people that are as iconic as like logan or indiana jones i think you, yeah you got to give it give people an actual opportunity to say goodbye now this is a news topic that when i first saw it i was very very shocked by but the more i think about it the more it really makes sense, and I completely understand where Sony is coming from in this, and I also understand where um, Netflix is coming from. So what's happening is Netflix and Sony have made a deal that now basically after theatrical releases starting in 2022, all Sony movies will be moved to Netflix for 18 months after their theatrical window. Um, so that would be uh, Uncharted, Morbius, any theatrical release. I also think it's any Sony movie, period, will be moving to Netflix, if I recall correctly, for the next couple yeah. of years. Um, this is a good move because Sony is the only major movie studio that does not have their own streaming service of some kind attached to it. Like Fox more or less has Hulu because their Disney overlords have Hulu. Warner brothers has HBO max. Uh, Paramount's got Paramount plus there's all these various streaming services. Sony. I think, I don't think they ever wanted to get into that game. So they're just like, you know what? We're just gonna try and figure out a deal that works best for us. So, I, th I think this benefits all parties involved. Again, yeah. it comes back to what we talk about almost every week. Where is Netflix getting the money for this? Because this is valued at a billion dollars, I've heard. Yeah, I don't know how all of this works. Um, I do wonder if in some cases they don't necessarily have to buy the license. The license, like, like they, other companies would pay them Mm. to allow you know what i mean to allow those movies to be on their service because at this point they kind of could be like our we are that big you know we're that big of a company if you allow your like if you pay us for your your movie to be on our service this is how many users you'll you'll see but you know blah blah, blah. so maybe I, yeah, and maybe that's something. But like, yeah, this is a this is a good move, I think, for Sony, especially, and for Netflix. I mean, I think between the Knives Out stuff from last week and Sony on this week, I, Netflix is making some moves, bro. 
they are they are doing what they can to survive here. Yeah, so like this is everything. So this our immediate thought is obviously um Spider-Man, but this is Spider-Man Jumanji uh something we'll talk about later, but Ghostbusters. Um there's a lot of big names that are attached to this. Now, they haven't openly stated this, but it's something interesting to think about, and I'll float it over to you, Josh. Do you think they will do movies besides theatrical releases? Do you think Sony will be like, hey, we've got this movie that we're not overly confident about in terms of the theatrical experience. Do you think, hey, maybe for like $200 million, you guys would like to take this off our hands and you can have first dibs on it if you would like? Do you see that happening at all? Yeah, no, I can totally, I can totally see that. I mean, it, it, if anything, Netflix has like I think this comes back to Netflix has a guaranteed uh, subscriber base, and they can kind of, for the most, they've been around long enough to be like, look, man, you put a, you put your movie on our service, we can guarantee this many eyeballs on it for this amount of time. You know what I mean? So it's it would be. It would be interesting to say the least. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I, I don't see us really any negative outside of we don't know what where they're getting this money. But then again, what was it? Arby's bought, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings a couple several years ago, Did and they? everyone was like, "Yeah, Arby's owns Buffalo Buffalo Wild Wings." That's interesting. Like, that's, that's that's weird. Just, the whole meme at the time was like, where did Arby's get this money? What is what is this? So, yeah. Interesting. Now, on the flip side of this, um, <laughs> somebody that's been in the streaming game, for better or for worse, um, has been Warner Brothers and HBO Max. However, they got themselves into some rather hot water with the questionable decision we'll put it that way uh to put all their stuff that's coming out in theaters this year also on hbo max the same day however it seems like when this year is done they're going to be reversing that decision so the head of hbo max more or less came out and said that um come 2022 2022 we will be going back to theatrical releases only uh this should come as a shock to no one because um, there is a big, huge controversy and a lot of directors were real pissed when this move happened. Um, and also, I'd be very curious to see the analytics of HBO Max in terms of box office revenue compared to streaming revenue. Like, Zack Snyder's Justice League has done fairly well for them, but like, add on top of that Godzilla vs. Kong, which has done incredibly well for them. Wonder Woman 1984, which has done incredibly well for them. I'm assuming Mortal Kombat will also do pretty well for them. Um, This is but isn't surprising. I think we may have talked about a while back that we think that they were kind of, they're probably going to hold on to that theory of thinking of just, we need to uh, do both day and date releases for free. Um, I think it's kind of a good thing that they're kind of backing down on this at least a little bit. I still think um, they will shrink the theatrical window like a lot of other streaming services are, like Paramount Plus, I think, from the day of release to when it shows up to on streaming services will be 45 days. I could see a similar model being followed there. 
Yeah, okay, I do too. Um, wouldn't be surprised at all. It, I think at the end of the day, you and I were wondering when initially they were like, "Hey, that phone is going off." Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, cool. All right. It's, it's all that's all that matters, then I guess. Um, I think. It, hold on, I gotta recollect my thought now. Whenever they initially were like, hey, like, we're going to show them at the same time, blah, blah, blah. And there was this huge backlash because, you know, all the all these other companies involved, it directly affected the money that was going in their pocket. So it was like, hey, you can't really do that. And then even then, you and I were hardcore questioning. I was like, I... If this is a thing going forward, uh, I don't see... Wonder Brothers, you know, getting out of it without a lawsuit or two. Um, so I, which I didn't. Uh, yes, they did get New sued. Line? I think, yeah, New Line or Legendary, I think, did yeah. counter sue them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's gone, or I haven't seen any any result from that. But yeah, it's just interesting, to say the least. Uh, they're going to say it's because the pandemic has calmed down and they don't feel the, the, necessi the necessity to do it this way, but yeah. I, I, I would feel that it's really more of like, hey, we didn't think this through. Yeah, yeah, um, we didn't really want to piss off Christopher Nolan and lose him forever. Um, we're still trying to mend our relationship with Denny Villeneuve, the guy doing Dune. Because uh, there's reports now that Dune may be a theatrical-only experience because Dune really should be a theatrical-only experience if you want that to be a franchise. So I get where they're coming from in that sense of, oh, we done goofed. Um, maybe we should put this in theaters. But we bring this up because that means if you want to watch The Batman next year or Aquaman or Black Adam, you're going to have to see that in the theaters, which is a good thing because 2022 is going to be the year of DC. Well, actually, 2022 in general is going to be a big comic book year. We've got four DC movies alone. I think we've got three or four Marvel movies just because everything's been backlogged for so long. It's just going to be... Yeah. We're taking a sledgehammer to the dam and everything's going to come flooding out. Um, yeah, I think this is a good idea. I don't know if we've, we have talked about it, but not recently. Um, what do you think, since they're focusing on theatrical releases. Is there any titles that they've announced that you can see not being a theatrical experience, but just to HBO max? I'm trying to think of not Disney movies. Mm. <laughs> um, I can't, maybe mortal Kombat. No, no. no Cause no. that's, that's no. already coming out. Like yeah. next Friday. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think I, I think. I mean, like in 2022, movies yeah. that they've got coming out. Jeez, I can't even. Off the top of my head, I'm I'm not. I think not, I don't I know mean, if because I don't think it's 2022. I think I think they may have said the Batgirl and Blue Beetle. They're kind of leaning towards yeah. being HBO Max movies, which. I I mean. I'm fine either way. Um, both of those titles I can absolutely see being theatrical experiences, but I also don't know if they're coming out next year. It's I feel like HBO Max 
either doesn't advertise it or we just don't follow it as much. Like, we know the current status of, like, every Disney Plus Marvel show. We know She-Hulk's filming right now. We know Miss Marvel's filming right now. Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier is we're in the middle of it right now. Hawkeye's done filming. Like, we know all that. HBO Max stuff, I follow Titans. I don't know if they're filming or not right now. I don't know when that's coming out. Season 4 of Young Justice, I don't know. Like, I would like more transparency, but also, to be fair to HBO Max, it's not just their issue. Uh, Heather and one of her friends were asking me just the other day, hey, have we gotten any updates whatsoever on Stranger Things Season 4? And I'm like, yeah, that's a good question. Um, they just The problem is with these streaming services that drop everything at once, it's here it is and then it's gone for the next couple of years while they ramp up production on the next one like the witcher just finished filming a few weeks ago that's gonna be the last we hear about it until a trailer a few months down mm-hmm. the road like i would like yeah. to i would like to kind of be kept in the loop like we are with the movies in terms of all right here's when things are starting and here's when things end their production maybe that's just me but i would like to kind of be in the loop more with streaming stuff yeah, it, it it would be really nice and give a, it would add to some hype for us. But at the same, and I, I guess I'll t- take a nod to um, conversation we had a bit ago. Are we owed that information? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I'm it's nice. Like, uh, we don't need yeah. it, but it, it'd be appreciated. Yeah, it would be as fans like it'd be really nice for you to give us something to look forward to. Maybe like, Hey, we just finished filming. I don't know. I mean, which is like why I think I like that Witcher was like, Hey, we're done filming. I was like, okay, cool. Then. So a few months from now I can expect a trailer or something like that. So I can, I can get, start getting excited for the show again. Makes sense. So we often sometimes will say that, HBO and Warner Brothers like to milk the crap out of their DC characters. Well, at least they don't milk their franchise nearly as much as Paramount has been, more specifically Paramount Plus, has just been milking the ever-living crap out of Star Trek. Basically, if you have Paramount Plus, you either watch CBS shows or you like Star Trek. That's about it. And it seems like we're not done with Star Trek as CBS... All, I'm so used to calling it CBS All Access. Paramount Plus has announced a new Star Trek movie coming in 2023. Now, it doesn't seem incredibly likely and incredibly doubtful, actually, that this will be a continuation of the Chris Pine, Zoe Saldana, Zucker Quinto era, which is disappointing because I really, really like that. And if memory serves, they are the most financially successful Star Trek movies. Granted, they were also the most expensive Star Trek movies, but they brought in a new generation. (laughs) The next generation, if you will. Um, But, oh my gosh, Paramount knows that they don't really have a lot of assets. Currently, they've got, like, Top Gun and Mission Impossible, but, like, they've got Star Trek. So they're milking the crap out of that with, like, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, uh, this, that, and the other thing. I'm just, like, calm yourselves, guys. Like, I'm not even a Trekkie, but even if I was, I'd feel massive burnout right now. That being said, I'll, I'll at least be curious to see what direction they go. Um, yeah. I know Trekkies did not like the Abrams movies. Maybe it's because they were fun and they were good movies back mm-hmm. to back to back, which is not something mm-hmm. you could say about the original movies. Um, no. I like all three of them. 
unpopular opinion, Into Darkness is actually my favorite because I think Benedict Cumberbatch was a fantastic villain. He wasn't a, the best adaptation of Khan, but he was a great villain nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am sad that we're not getting a continuation is what it seems like at least, but I also understand because everyone in those Star Trek movies is a much bigger name now. Good luck affording Chris Pine. Good luck affording Zoe Saldana. There was even reports before COVID that for Star Trek Four they wanted to bring back Chris Hemsworth as Kirk's father. And I'm going, there is no way you can afford Chris Hemsworth right now if you're trying to reduce the budget. Like, Star Trek Beyond yeah. had the smallest budget of all three of the newer movies, and that was still a pretty expensive movie. Um, Josh... Would you have liked to have seen a continuation? Are you fine with a reboot? If it does get rebooted, what what kind of direction do you hope to see with Star Trek? Uh, so, I like good sci-fi films, so I'm a Star <laughs> Wars fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. For those in the no, comments, I, Josh said it, not me. <laughs> but I, I agree. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I've never been, like, those. the Abrams movies are cool, but like I've never been like, I've never been a Trekkie. I don't. I don't really care. Um, I, I I do kind of see it as that series that Paramount keeps bringing back for no other reason but to make money. It's kind of like so how Sony what how Spider Man was with with Sony for a bit there. Still is. Yeah. Well, now they got um, Jumanji to help lighten the load, but you know, be you know, be really really funny if they start bringing back really really old projects. Like, just keep doing this reboot thing. That's fine. But, like, do, like, stuff that doesn't make sense for it to be on Paramount Plus. Like, um, uh, Bible Man. Bible Man. Was Who owns the right Paramount. to Bible Man? Can we get a Zack Snyder reboot of Bible Man? And you shall... Oh, s- oh no. He oh, just goes no. all Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> and you will know my name is no. the Lord when I strike my furious <laughs> vengeance upon thee. Oh, and he no. just mows fools down with his yellow lightsaber. I uh, kind of would be all for that. I kind of... There's a part of me that <laughs> really, really wants to see what Bible Man would look like in today's society. Because it's like... Our culture in general has changed significantly since Bible Man was a thing. So... (laughs) Okay. Joking aside, I didn't really pay attention to this too much as a kid. And I've watched people on YouTube spoof and make fun of Bible Man. Bible Man actually had some pretty decent visual effects for its time and for its budget. Mm -hmm. That lightsaber always looked... Sort of the spirit. Sorry, copyright infringement. Uh, that sort of the spirit actually always looked pretty solid for the budget. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 sort of the spirit always looked good. The villains, while not like oh, the villain was always the best thing. Like what? Yeah, they they weren't necessarily evil, but like Luxor Spondroth. Oh gosh, but. Cheese were they memorable? Like no place Marvel like a happy take... place when you're living <laughs> like Furiosa. Oh, I just remember um, what was something. All the Trekkies rage. are coming Prince, after us right now. Going Prince really? of Rage, Prince of Rage, or whatever. The, no. he like lives in like three different basements through three different movies. Does he? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And he always has a has uh, his computer's name's what uh, Lucy. 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 It was, I was just, bro, 
I, I all that to say, I think I'd prefer a a Bible Man remake over another Star Trek series. I I'd kind of be down for a Bible Man now that you brought it up in our Star Trek discussion. <laughs> I doubt. I, I don't care. We need a Bible Man episode now. <laughs> I mean, we could do a Five Good Things with Bible Man, but everything is good about Bible Man, except for, you know, Willie Ames' off-the-field antics. Um, but we won't get into that. Poor, um, it, okay, but to be fair, Willie Ames, his off-the-field antics are only, like, outside the norm because he's playing Bible Man. That's the only reason. It's true. That's the only reason. It's like Macaulay Culkin being Bible Man. I'm here for all of that. Yes, please. Oh my god. Okay. No. 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 I want. I want Jude Law as Bible Man, and Macaulay Culkin as Cipher. <laughs> Just no. Just no. <laughs> oh, Tom Hiddleston as the bad guy. Now nah, Macaulay. <laughs> No, there it is. Macaulay Culkin always plays the bad guy and always, like, just, like, completely different but always terrible makeup. And Judy Dench plays Yusuf, uh, Eunice, the computer. Eunice, yes. Um, oh. Getting back, and we'll, we'll try and close on Star Trek if we get before we get too sidetracked with Bible Man again. <laughs> Sorry. Paramount Plus, why are you milking this so much? But then again... Every franchise is kind of doing that. Peacock yeah. is bringing back Punky Brewster with Freddie Prince Jr., which I've actually heard is pretty decent. Um, CB, even again, I almost call it CBS All Access. Paramount Plus bringing back iCarly without Jeanette McCurdy because that's not going to get awkward. Uh, but to be fair, she had her own show with Sam and Cat, so it all levels out in the end, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I also maybe it's just me. I've got this sneaking suspicion. That in a few months, they'll announce another movie. Except this one will be a Paramount Plus exclusive. I think it's weird that other than the Ninja Turtles movie by Seth Rogen, we have not heard any other um, Paramount Plus movie. Like, exclusives. Hold on. He's producing it. He's producing it. Okay. Because this, this is actually the first I'm hearing of it. So I was like, um, what? Yes, it's... Look it up. It's... Like, the only exclusive that I heard about that's in development for Paramount Plus is a new that's Ninja Turtles, an animated Ninja Turtles. I think it's animated. Animated Ninja Turtles produced by Seth Rogen. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm here for it. It's Sethy. I love Sethy. Can't be any worse than what they've already been. Like, and I'm not even talking about Michael Bay. Guys, as much as I love the Turtles, their history is a bit spotted at best. Let's not bring up the Christmas album. Um, yeah. Last but not least, we've got a random one, but also it gives me it gives me permission to lose hope in something. Um, so a few months back, we talked about Universal's basically going all out in terms of everyone's getting their own standalone movie, and I had to double check because I felt like we talked about this recently, and in a sense. We kind of did. So, Dracula's assistant, Renfield, he's basically the Igor to Dracula's Frankenstein type of thing. Uh, Renfield is getting his own movie. However, when we talked about it last, it was going to be directed by Rocketman's Dexter Fleischer. 
and now I didn't even realize we made a change, but it just happened a few hours before we started recording this, that now it's going to be the Lego Batman movies, Chris McKay directing Renfield. And I'm going, odd, one, didn't know Chris McKay has ever done any horror. Two, this is yet another project that he's attached to. Is he going to stick to this project? Because I'm still not over the fact that in 2017, he was announced to direct a Nightwing movie. Where the heck is that? That's what I mean of, does this officially give me permission to move on from him do, ever doing a Nightwing movie? Cause, yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing. I still, I really like Lego Batman. It's wonderful. I'm starting to get some red flags with Chris McKay. Because Nightwing thing aside, and my Nightwing bias aside, the same thing happened to Dungeons and Dragons. He left the Nightwing movie to do the Dungeons and Dragons movie that's set to go start filming in the next couple months. However, he's not doing that anymore. Either he left the project or he was fired off the project, and now the directors that did Game Night are doing Dungeons and Dragons instead. Now, he's got a movie coming out in the next couple months with Chris Pratt called The Tomorrow War. But other than that, it's so The Tomorrow War is basically... We're getting attacked by aliens, so we bring in different warriors from different time periods, so I'll fight together, which I'm like, that's either the greatest premise or the worst premise, because why would people from the past be better warriors than, like, nowadays when we have, you know, guns, but... This is, like, some Mortal Kombat kind of stuff. Yeah, but I I still hold on to, I love Lego Batman so much. Um, This gives me permission to move on emotionally. And stop getting my hopes up for at least a Chris McKay-directed Nightwing movie. I still think we might get a Nightwing movie on HBO Max. Or better yet, Warner Brothers told him, Hey, Matt Reeves might want to put Dick Grayson in his movies at some point, And we don't want to cross his dreams and confuse the audience. But getting back to the movie itself, nothing to do with the director. Renfield. Mm-hmm. Even in horror circles, the name Renfield doesn't immediately conjure something up. You have to go, Renfield, oh, um, Dracula's assistant. It's not like when you say Igor, people know who that is because of young Frankenstein, actually, because in the original movie, it's Fritz, not Igor. But um, when you say that name, people at least know who that is. When you say Renfield... It kind of sounds like you're saying Renfair, and it's not interesting. I don't understand this. Like, we've got, like, two separate Dracula movies. This, to me, kind of seems a little like Universal stretching themselves too thin, but maybe not. Josh, you see this any different at all? I uh, I had to Google who Renfield was. Yeah, exactly. I, and that should just tell you enough. Like, is this, if this is going to be, like, a movie about his perspective of the, of what happens in Dracula, like, cool, I guess. But, or, like, how, what, what his life was before Dracula. Cool, I guess. You know, like, I can think of so many things that are way more interesting than Ren. The Brides of Dracula would be much more interesting. Yeah. Just, now, just to name one. Just to name one. <laughs> now, there's a way that you can get me interested in this, but it'll never happen. Renfield, a vampire comedy directed by Taika Waititi. Let's go. Because honestly, 
Um, the show, What We Do in the Shadows, has a character that's more or less a Renfield of the guy that takes care of their day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how... And they did it well and humorously. Just do that! I don't know how you make that scary, because he's not really an intimidating or scary character. He's a socially awkward character. I just don't understand this. And I've actually been pretty vocal in support of Universal's moves lately in terms of their horror monsters. I didn't love Invisible Man, but that's my own biases towards the original coming out. But they've seemed like they've been methodically planning their new movies, going, we don't need them to be connected. We just want good individual character stories. This seems like cash grab for the first time, but maybe we're wrong. Maybe they do have something mapped out here. But the fact that this is not the first director attached to this movie, I'm getting Uncharted vibes all over again of we're just announcing this just to announce this, and it's going to be a carousel of directors until we get some poor guy that will actually stick with it that will be our scapegoat for this. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right, unfortunately. Um, this week's episode, before we get into our main discussion, this week's episode is sponsored by, uh, let's just stick with Universal. Horror Nights is around the corner, and uh, they haven't announced anything yet. Announce something, please. Around um, the corner? Hold on. Around the corner? I mean, it's, it's April. It starts in September. It's around the corner. It's four months. Did I share you the? Did I show you the meme? I know I showed it on Facebook. There was just like, it's April now. You know what that means? He starts doing the Halloween dance. It's like stop. It's April. You can't deter me. It's always spooky season. It's either baseball season, spooky season, or Christmas. One of those three. Um. So Universal, watch this segue. Universal that we talked about. Universal has a tendency to sabotage their own movies. It happens time and time again. That's what we're going to talk about today. The mo- the moments and ca- marketing campaigns that single-handedly ruined a movie. Because sometimes we've got both good and bad movies that we're going to talk about today. Um, but all of these movies were screwed over somehow or some way by their movie marketing campaigns. Because for some, some of you might not know, the marketing team is almost never the team that worked on the movie. So like... Yeah promotional material trailers that's somebody else and the left hand and the right hand often don't know what each other are doing and that can be disastrous so there's quite a few movies on here that i don't particularly like but i don't fault the filmmakers in this because there might be trailers that are bad um trailers that give away too much or just sheer dumb choices so that's what we're gonna do today i have 10 i don't know how many josh has we didn't try and do a list we just tried to think of I tried to think of at least varying projects, but also varying reasons why these marketing fails happened, whether it was bad trailers. I didn't want to just put, this had a bad trailer that sabotaged the whole movie. Um, Or just, there's some examples of people involved with the movie shouldn't have talked or lashed out in the way that they did. Um, Oh, speaking of lashed out, I didn't even think about this, but I'll put it as an honorable mention. Terminator Salvation. Christian Bale yelling at the uh, lighting guy. Yeah. That is not on my list. I have another Terminator movie instead, but um, that 
I think really hurt the movie because everyone kind of went into it going, we know this is a nightmare of a production and Christian Bale, this is is not a good look on him. I actually still really enjoy Terminator Salvation. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, Especially Anton Yelchin. He's he's wonderful as Kyle Reese. He's perfect. Uh, But I I really think that hurt the movie a lot. Um, There's a variety of things that can hurt a production. Um, I talked about Terminator. I'll continue on the Terminator trade and start that way. Um... Terminator Genesis. Ah, oh my we god. We we're, got the same one. We're going to talk about trailers that ruin the movie, basically. But this, mm-hmm. to me, is one of the single most egregious I've it's ever seen. Bad. To the point of even the director came out and goes, Oh yeah, I did not approve of this. This was a bad move. Because we structured the movie around this big, big plot reveal that gets revealed in the trailer. So, spoiler alert for those that don't... I haven't seen the movie, but also we're going to spoil it so you don't have to watch this terrible, terrible movie. So basically the plot of every Terminator is there's a Terminator sent back in time to kill a member of the Connor family, whether it's Sarah Connor or John Connor. Mm -hmm. Well, in Terminator Genesis, John Connor, the leader of the resistance, the great hero, is the Terminator. However, that gets spoiled in the middle of the trailer and all of us just go, one, that's stupid. Two, that CGI looks terrible. And three, oh my god, why did you just show that in your trailer? That's a huge moment. That that basically changes the entire dynamic. And like the rest of the trailer, they don't show him in action, I feel like. I haven't watched the trailer in a while. So I'm like, wh- why? I understand Ooh, that you so have to get people's butts in seats. But did you not trust that? the return of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who wasn't in the previous Terminator, Terminator and Salvation, did you not trust that the return of Arnold Schwarzenegger to the franchise and Amelia Clark, who is still hot off Game of Thrones, could get the job done in selling the movie? There's no logical reason for you to do that. And that scared so many people away to the point of when they do the next Terminator, Dark Fate, they're like, yeah, the only ones that count are the first two. They, they completely scrap any form of continuity, which also didn't work out in their favor either. But they more or less, Dark Fate had to, the unfortunate issues of trying to fix the problems of Genesis. And that comes right down to its marketing as well as just being a bad movie. But that marketing yeah. sabotaged it so bad. Yeah. And it, it what was what sucked too is it wasn't it wasn't even the first. Tra- I think it was like the second trailer. So like we there was already some hype behind the movie. Like, oh, OK, this looks kind of interesting. All right. Cool, cool, cool. So, like, filming's done. Three months later, boom, trailer. All right, cool. Everyone's kind of on board. A couple more months later, second one drops, and now the whole plot is ruined for a movie that doesn't come out for another six months or something like that. Yeah, I was actually really on board with Old Man Arnold. Like, when he takes mm-hmm. his hood off, I was like, oh, that looks cool. Um, But, yeah, that and then that comes out, and I'm just like, oh, no. Like, I've never been emotionally attached to Terminator, but I, I felt in my heart, I felt bad for Terminator fans just going, oh, no, <laughs> that's not good for you guys. Oh, no, I'll save that one for later because it's going to torment Josh. Um, mm. Let's talk about another one that trailers give away way too much because I did a trailer reaction for this movie. And I even said in the trailer reaction, why did you show that? Because, one, you should have just hit it. But, two, 
I still to this day think it was a stupid decision to include Doomsday in Batman versus Superman because one, you shouldn't kill off Superman in only his second movie when we still don't really emotionally connect with him just yet. But two, Doomsday looked bad. And three, keep that hidden. Again, Godzilla versus Kong, I'm not going to tell you who it is because it's a spoiler. There's a thing that they have to fight. Very, very similar to Batman versus Superman. Except they don't show you. So you have to go to the theater to see what it is. I do not blame Zack Snyder in the slightest for Doomsday showing up in that Batman versus Superman trailer. And you can tell that the trailer company knew they messed up with the trailer. Because they show Doomsday and then immediately show Wonder Woman to distract you from... Oh, crap. Um, Here's Doomsday. N- no! Because you can go back and watch my reaction to it is, why did you show Doomsday? And then I immediately get distracted going, oh, Wonder Woman's in this movie. Because you know that's what they were going for in this trailer. But that's not what you should do. Let us see and experience Doomsday for ourselves in the theater, whether we wanted him in the movie or not. Because showing Doomsday, you literally took out the one last surprise that was in the movie. Because I remember you and I discussing the movie before it came out. Um... Because I think it may have been Michael or Alex or somebody said, we've seen everything in the trailers. And I'm going, nah, because this toy has Lex Luthor's green and purple armor, which was never in the movie. So it was, it was me just being stupid, buying into toy hype. But at that point, there was no Doomsday in the trailer. I'm just like, no, nah, there's some surprises. With the Doomsday in the trailer, you're just like, well, if they're showing that, they have to have some other surprises in their back pocket. No, they didn't. They showed every big thing in the trailer. It also comes back to when Batman and Superman are fighting. I saw the entire fight in trailers, and I didn't seek out any extra trailers. I didn't watch everything that came out. But they showed the entire Batman versus Superman fight through all the various footage in the trailers yeah. and stuff. I'm just like, this is this is something we should see in the trailer. Give us just a tiny bit, or better yet, like Kong versus Godzilla, haven't show the first punch in the trailer and then cut to black don't show anything else tease just enough and that was idiotic yeah it was it was dumb and like i would even go as far to say as like we knew that wonder woman was in it but don't like don't show her in the trailer leave or that don't as a leave moment a, for us. show diana but don't show a suited up wonder woman yeah like leave, give us something give us a reason to see the movie and like i'll go even as far to say is zach should have kept his mouth shut the entire marketing problem uh, process. How many times were people like, "Hey, Zach, what's this?" And he answered their tweet about stuff in the movie. We knew the history behind Robin and and the the, the burnt suit before we saw the movie. Yeah, Zach's always been bad about that. Like, like even his biggest mm. defenders. Like we talked about as much as we both really really enjoyed Zack Snyder's Justice League. A lot of the stuff in the trailer would have been really really cool had he not shown it on his personal social medias a day or two before like the first time we see dark side in that trailer wouldn't it have been cool if we hadn't seen that like a day or two ago and his pictures like zach i get you're excited but you've got to let us experience the hype like when it's supposed to happen not a day or two before just because you want to be the one that shares it like i get that you're excited but let us experience it too I mean, and like, just like even with the Justice League thing, think about how much more you would have popped if the first time you saw Stephen Wolf's suit, it was in the movie. Mm. The redesign. 
because I'm a I don't mean I don't necessarily know about you, but I'm a big fan of the, the that suit re- re- redesign. And I don't like either think, one to be honest. That's fair. It's but at the same time, like I think it would have been way cooler to see it in the movie the first for the first time. Or you know, like it's I, to me, I don't know why we have a trailer for a movie that's just being re-edited. That like that doesn't make sense. No, to me. three but anyway, trailers, three trailers. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Anyway, we're talking about Batman movie Superman. Yeah, the whole movie spoiled through the through the course of all the trailers, through all of the marketing, all of the interviews. We basically knew the whole movie beat for beat, and. Like, I'm not going to say it made it less, it didn't make it as good of a movie, because the movie's okay, but, like, I don't think it helped. Like, I think if maybe we, I think if if maybe, you know what, no, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to it. I think if there was a good chunk of stuff that was saved for us to see in the movie, I don't think we would be as, as negative about it. That that's probably fair. They did show a lot, and I don't think we sought out a lot of trailers. No. It was just that was yeah. It was mm. just that like that's what happened, and that happened again to a lesser, well, actually to a greater extent with another movie that we'll talk about later. That I still do not understand this decision at all. That a movie that we'll talk about later uploaded willingly, completely free, the first twenty minutes of a movie. And I'm just going, why? Like, I get uploading like maybe five minutes or a minute scene. They uploaded the first 20 minutes, not like illegally or anything. They openly like gave it to like IGN or something. But we'll talk about that because that was beyond idiotic. Um, Josh, Josh, what do you got next? Um, So since we're talking about trailers, we've been talking about trailers that show too much. Let's talk about a trail that trailers that didn't show enough, and so people had no idea what the movie was about. Mm. Um, I I know you and I love Edge of Tomorrow, mm. but not a lot of people went to see it in the theaters because the trailers were so like vague. super vague. And so, I mean, and it's Tom Cruise, so they, it could have easily just from those trailers could have been oh, it's just another Tom Cruise action movie. Okay, cool. So, uh, I also have Edge of Tomorrow, but I don't single-handedly point it on the trailer. Edge of Tomorrow is quite possibly, besides one other movie, quite possibly the single worst movie marketing campaign. Just all the factors. So, we talked about the trailer. It was super, super vague. Didn't tell what the story was at all, other than, okay, there's some form of a repeating process. That was the beginning of the problems. And Josh, you're still actually involved in my story with Edge of Tomorrow, believe it or not. So this movie is based off of, I believe, a manga called Mm -hmm. All You Need Is Kill. So the movie was originally going to be called All You Need Is Kill. And then, like, is during production or during filming, they decided to rename it to Edge of Tomorrow, which sounds like a James Bond movie, not a sci-fi action movie. And to be honest, in terms of getting butts in seats, All You Need Is Kill sounds a lot better than Edge of Tomorrow. But then, changing the name once wasn't bad enough. Once it came to home video, they changed the name again. 
again to live die repeat which is actually worse than edge of tomorrow because it sounds like a video game and i remember at family video we had watched edge of tomorrow recently like my mm-hmm. roommates and i or something and you just specifically asked um we we found you at family video or something you're like hey i can't find live die repeat and all of us are going what never heard of that one you know that one with tom cruise and all of us are like you mean Edge of Tomorrow? Like, yes. And then oh. you look at the box and it says Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat. Live, Die, Repeat. No, so, On the box. So oh, you were right, oh. but it's a matter of you changed the name after the movie came out. So the people that did like your movie in theaters and are trying to recommend it to their friends saying, hey, you need to see this movie. It's going to be hard for them when you've changed the movie's name now to Live, Die, Repeat instead. It's bungle time and time again. Also, this is me putting the tinfoil hat on. I think they didn't do a good enough job of differentiating this from Tom Cruise's last movie. Which What's the one where he's wearing like, the white jumpsuit the whole time with uh, Morgan Freeman? Oblivion. Yes. I don't think this movie did enough no. of a job distinguishing itself from Oblivion from a marketing standpoint. And Oblivion, if I remember correctly, didn't do overly well for the exact same issues of looking like a generic sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. So I get why people didn't see Edge of Tomorrow because they're just like, well, it's just Oblivion all over again. But in reality, yeah. it's one of the most creative and original sci-fi movies we've had in years. But oh my goodness, every single step of the marketing oh. campaign was wrong. It was bad, dude. It was so bad. Like, to the point, like, even on the box, it says, on the su- on the spine, it says, Edge of Tomorrow, and but on the front, it says, Live, Die, excuse me, Live, Die, Repeat. Like, bro, like, how, What what's the name of the move? Like, you're looking at the box, like, what is the name, is it, is it what's on the front, or is it what's on the spine? What is it? It's, yeah, it just, everything from the trailer being way too vague to not really a lot of press, not really a lot of like constant name changes. Just everything was against this move. I will. I'm gonna say everything, but I mean, everything. there's some movies out there that like even the stu- the studio didn't want to put it out, mm. and it was obvious. Oh no, we'll talk about that one later. No, at least with Edge of Tomorrow, unlike some other movies that we'll talk about, Edge of Tomorrow was a fighter until the end. Still to this day, we will never get a sequel just because Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt are so busy. It fought till the end of it did not have a good opening weekend, but it had legs like Greatest Showman did not open at number one, I don't think. But both of those movies just kept going and going because word of mouth was so strong with Edge of Tomorrow and it managed to, I think, break even to get at least a little bit of a profit mm-hmm. despite the bad marketing. This is better than some other movies we can say, unfortunately, mm-hmm. which were dead on arrival. Uh, what you got next, Josh? Um, let's see. We've talked about that. We've talked about that one. Um, <laughs> all right. So this isn't necessarily a marketing fail that affected the movie, but a sponsor of a, a using promotional material from from a movie that just put kind of a weird taste on Man of Steel. With the Gillette Razor commercials. Oh, see, like when I was doing research, yeah, this showed up, and I was like, I don't remember these. The whole you don't remember that? I don't. It was the weirdest thing. How like 
it felt like a company, a bunch of execs were like, hey, you know what? I bet comic book people think about this all the time. Let's use this as a slogan. Um, Despite the fact that we actually know from the Justice League yeah, animated series, no, Superman not animated stupid. series, how he shaves. Like, yeah, so for those that don't know, um, <laughs> Man of Steel ha- was attached in a pr- promotional campaign with Gillette razors with the tagline of how does Superman shave to the point that they brought on like they had like interviews with people like Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson, like real scientists. <laughs> They're like, hey, how would this work? How would Superman shave? Bro, stop. Like, no. It didn't necessarily affect the movie, but like, that's so, that's such a fail. Like, that's not reading your audience at all. <laughs> that's weird, man. That's weird. Like I, I thoroughly enjoy Man of Steel. I don't even remember that. Like, Dude, that's it was weird. That's a weird tie-in. I'm trying to see if there's any other trailer-related ones. Don't count that as trailer. Not trailer. Although trailers tied into it. That's a whole story. Um, uh, I have ooh. one that's kind of trailer-related. I yeah, I have a couple. I have two. Nah, actually, all of them have something to do with trailers are involved somehow. I want to save that mm-hmm. one for later because that one's notoriously bad how about sometimes movies ruin their move sometimes marketing's really severely hurt their movie by misleading the audience not so much spoiling too much even if the movie itself is really excellent people can still be pissed by how it's marketed and i'll give you two separate names one horror one drama i still remember People getting pissed at Ryan Gosling's drive. Bro! Because yes. because for some reason, the idiots marketing this movie market it as, if you love Fast and Furious, you're going to love Drive. And that is not what this movie is at all. Drive is amazing, but it is a vehicle. No. <laughs> it's a vehicle to show Ryan Gosling as a legitimately amazing actor. And... People were misled with that one for sure. And the other yeah, one, the more mm-hmm. recent one, but I feel more because mismarketing a horror movie is a cardinal sin. And I think, by and large, this movie got positive reception, except for certain audiences that thought it was something else in Hereditary. Hered- oh, yeah. Hereditary was marked as like the next exorcist or the scariest movie you'll ever see. And don't get me wrong. There's some scary stuff that happens in hereditary, but it is a slow burn horror about a family and it's past trauma basically. But the movie was marketed as there's going to be a scare. It was marketed the same way as a conjuring or an insidious of just like a popcorn scare fest. That is not what hereditary is. And there was a lot of people coming out of it. They were just like, this movie's not scary at all. It's boring. It's just like, if you don't watch the trailers for Hereditary, you go in blind and you will enjoy it a whole lot more because you won't have a preconceived notion as to what the movie is supposed to be. Um, yeah, like Josh's. It's, I think Drive was a much worse example, though. Yeah, I would agree. It's because I, I 
didn't see the trailers for Midsommar or Hereditary. Mm. I heard that. I heard like, hey, there's these two really good movies from from Ari. You should watch them. And I was like, okay, cool. And like, just took it on faith. Um, Cause I think like you recommended to, them to me. And like, I had a couple other people whose judgment on hor- on like scary movies. I trusted recommended it. And I was like, okay, cool. We can do that. Um, but drive all, I must just not see trailers because like, I don't remember a trailer for drive at all. I just Actually, remember seeing, I don't remember the trailers for drive either. I just remember yeah. people being pissed. I just, I, all I remembered was, I think I saw it on Netflix and I just saw Ryan Gosling and a really cool jacket and gloves. And I saw in the tagline mob violence. And I was like, Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> With <laughs> like, Oscar Isaac, nonetheless. Like, bro, that movie is so good. And, like, between that one and uh, – what's the other one that he did, that Ryan did at that time? Behind The, the in, Place Between the, the Pines? Between the Pines. The, the Both of those. Solid. Solid. Like, super dramatic. Like, if you want to get <laughs> – as an actor, if you want to change how people view you from – Mickey Mouse Nicholas, Club. Well, Mickey Mouse Club, Nicholas Sparks, you know – movie uh the best way to do that is probably put you put a hammer in your hand and have you go to town like and drive so um but yeah no i the marketing just the trailers mismarketed it both of those so hard um my examples one of them is is interesting is i actually had like a whole history lesson because obviously it's way before my time, but um, the other one is uh, Annihilation, which I saw oh, last year. Oh, the Alex Garland movie. Yes. So for those that don't know, um, Annihilation stars uh, oh geez, Natalie, Natalie, Portman. Natalie Portman, and it's based. I would describe it as like an art house sci-fi. Yeah, almost. that's like basically it's, it's, Alex Garland movies. Yeah, but like. That sound to say art house makes it that almost sounds negative because, but I, I don't know it, it's I liked it I thought it was very very good however all of the marketing for it trailers and everything and even really like the posters it like kind of pitched it as a sci-fi monster movie and let's yes. tell you right now yes they did I remember that there's there is a monster ish. But not really. Hmm, Baba Duke. So, Baba Duke. Um, okay, but see, again, I didn't see a trailer for Baba Duke. I just was like, oh, that looks Baba Duke's not on my list today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Annihilation, like presenting, it's kind of, it's sci fi movies are akin to horror, horror movies in that the trailer is almost everything. Mm-hmm. The, the trailer is, well, good night, mommy. The audience. Yeah. Bro, okay, but. Goodnight Mommy made it seem like, oh, it's just like that's not deceptive, but that's a that's a leaving the mark type of trailer. Yeah, yeah, it is. And when you think it's gonna be bad, like rough to get through, and then it ends up being whole so much worse than you thought that the trailers made you think it was gonna be. Um, but no, Annihilation is is, and I remember seeing the trailer and going, you know what, I've I don't need another sci-fi monster movie i'll pass and then like i watched it last year on all that off time that we all had <laughs> um, <laughs> and i was like 
why didn't I, this would have been amazing in the theater. Like, oh, man. Um, the other one I had, and this is a little bit of a history lesson for Josh, was Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, I knew that one flopped. Yes, at the theaters. But it, like, the trailer in itself mismarketed it, it as this lighthearted animation Disney film. With, yeah, you're, the face you're making is exactly what I was like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> just just show Hellfire in the trailers, and yeah. that's the tone of the movie. Yeah, like, let, let's this story about lust and genocide and. and gypsies. And, you know, the gypsies like and being deformed and really and like the church being actually kind of terrible but also good at the same time and it's such a weird like complex movie but so the trailers all apparently were all really really lighthearted, and so parents got super upset when they took their kids to it and you have hellfire <laughs> um oddly enough yeah. though because of Notre Dame and the content that it actually is in its original story, they, like, the whole fan base that saw Hunchback saw the trailer, the trailer was, like, pretty pissed. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, this is a really dark story. You can't do that to this story. And then they watched it and went, oh. So you went dark, but you didn't go all the way. All right, all right, whatever. So you, you gypped out. So, like, apparently... There's a whole fan club of the of this of the Hunchback of Notre Dame, like oh, I believe on it. like uh, of like the original book, that don't uh, like treat this like air, uh, last the last Airbender movie, like it doesn't exist and they don't deem it a thing that happened, which is crazy to me. Just I believe all it. based all based on the marketing that was presented at the beginning. So it's which is just you know history lessons because. Yeah. Uh, Hunchback was way before my time. Um. <laughs> okay, I got one. I got one last one, and then I'll really get into my. These are the top worst marketing campaigns of all campaigns of all time. Um, this one just barely misses out on that distinction, but it, it should also be noted that this one was pretty bad. We talked about it earlier. Amazing Spider-Man Two had the boneheaded decision of hey. You know what's going to get butts in seats? If we show everyone the first 20 minutes of our movie, I think they shared it with like IGN or somebody, like an actual outlet. They're just like, here, here's the first 20 minutes of our movie. Let's have everyone watch it. Admittedly, the opening scene of Amazing Spider-Man 2 when he's stopping the rhino is the best thing in that entire movie. Um, When he's like, roll down the window. Hey, you can call me Spidey. You can call me Spider-Man. Just don't call me late for dinner. I'm like, that's perfect. And then the rest of the movie yeah. happens. But yes. I distinctly remember they showed so, so much in the trailers, whether it was that 20-minute piece that I didn't even seek out, but I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, who would want to see this? You're so close to the movie coming out. Like, they released it, like, the week that the movie was coming out. Like, just wait a little bit more. Yeah. Oh they showed gosh. that. They showed New Goblin in the trailer when they really <laughs> did not need to. I feel like even in the trailers, they show Gwen Stacy falling. They don't show her dying, mm-hmm. but I feel like they show her falling. I'm going, you do realize, guys, that that's like the biggest moment of your entire movie that you should have yeah. done better with, with the whole like fading webs in the wind. But we will continue to beat that horse down. Amazing yeah. Spider-Man 2, it reeked of desperation of they're like, 
Amazing Spider-Man 1 was a modest success for us. It wasn't the most successful movie in the franchise. That's still actually, up until that point, it was Spider-Man 3 of all things. Um, But they're just like, we have gone all in on Spider-Man and we really, really need this movie to work. So please, for the love of God, will you see this movie opening weekend? Please, please, please. Um, We'll we'll give you it for free, please, at the rate that we're going. I still think it's my least favorite Spider-Man movie. But it's the marketing for it was so bad of, guys, have some restraint. We're going to see the movie in theaters. Stop showing stuff. Like, oh, my yeah. gosh. Um, so I've got two more before, like, we get into the nitty-nitty gritty. Um, this wasn't an issue necessarily that really, like, how do I say, um, ruined the movie. But it was also, like, it's definitely a marketing fail. Uh, so, X-Men Apocalypse. I don't know if... <gasps> the chokehold? Yeah, the choke slam? The chokehold. Uh, like, literally, like, I don't know... I don't know what somebody was thinking to put the only thing outside of the title on a billboard next to a highway in multiple states be Apocalypse literally choking Jennifer Lawrence's character. Just like, there, and that's it. No context, nothing. Like So, I have heard rumor that for the next, um, like, when they do reboot X-Men, instead of Apocalypse, they're just going to have Ezra Miller there. <laughs> Stop. Okay. But, no, it was just, it. I don't think it necessarily, quote-unquote, hurt the movie. But, like, because the movie's not that good anyway, but, um... It's the worst X-Men movie. I'll go on record saying that's my least favorite X-Men movie by far. It's not good. And it's... They definitely baned um, Oscar Isaacs. Like, that... Dude, when somebody was like, Oscar Isaacs gonna play Apocalypse, I was like... Yes! Yes! And then you saw his Ivan Ooze outfit. Oh my goodness, that was bad. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think a villain choking a heroic <coughs> character is a bad thing. But no, the fact no, that no, no. that is the poster, I, th- I think is more weird that people got up in arms going, oh, you have a character choking out a woman. I'm like, y- you do realize he's the bad guy. Are you mad I that agree. he's choking her out right now? Then he's doing his job. That being said, that being the poster is a weird choice as opposed to literally anything else in the movie. Yeah. Show Quicksilver running. Show Magneto and Professor X doing literally anything. Just show Professor X wheeling down a ramp at the mansion or something. Literally anything is better than, here's our poster. Look how menacing. Or even have Apocalypse choking out any other character. It just was a bad look that, like, I don't yeah. disagree with the decision to show a character choking another character. I disagree with, this was our poster. You couldn't do anything better with this? Like, Yeah. I think for me, too, it's like, the thing about posters is you should be able to understand what's going on without context. Mm-hmm. And with if you have no idea what's going to happen in X-Men Apocalypse, you haven't seen any of the trailers, and that the that billboards the only thing you've seen that's a little little tough there buddy um let's see in the i have to talk about new mutants 
which is now on HBO Max. Yes, it is. So I will finally get to see it. Me too. For free! Um, <laughs> I was I always remember, meant to be watched. Yes. I will see. Okay, here's the thing. Knowing how it is now, yeah, okay, absolutely. But I, 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 th- I think I texted you when that first trailer dropped. I was like, this is so interesting. This concept going to be so, like, different. And to a certain extent, it's still very different from a lot of – it didn't go as far as I think it needed to, but – whatever water by the bridge (laughs) water under the bridge water by the bridge water by the bridge i mean technically it's the same (laughs) phrase that's the new phrase there water by the bridge but like the thing was that first trailer dropped and then nothing happened for literally years and we were everyone was like so is this is this still happening or and then they're like yeah 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 this is the date and then that date came and then left. COVID hit. And then COVID hit. And we were just like, is this is this a thing? I just and part of it's not necessarily marketing, but also like there was no information about what was going on. Even like before before um COVID hit. There was like literally years before COVID hit. I found remember I, the first trailer for New Mutants dropped in like twenty seventeen. Yeah, like it's been a hot minute. So I, it, marketing is akin to information. So, but like for a movie to get that much buzz that quick and then just drop off the face of the planet is that's a fail. That's definitely a fail. So this isn't a specific trailer, but it's definitely, it, it's almost scared me away from seeing this movie. And I almost feel pretty confident saying it's not on Josh's list. Because it's a, I'm sure he's repressed this memory down. All I need to say is two words, though. And he'll just, the pain and agony will come rushing back. Paige here! I'm so mad. Because that is what people will remember. Yep. Okay. Because... It's such a good movie. It has so much, so much better than it has any right to be. Seriously, and okay. That's what people are gonna be, remember, or that's why people are, like avoiding it. Yes. Like, so, for those that don't know, I'm of course referring to the WWE movie "Fighting with My Family," which, full disclosure, is a whole heck of a lot better than the marketing portrayed it. But for some reason, in typical WWE fashion, they bungled the build-up, but they delivered on the actual execution for the most part. Except the ending in Fighting Without Family is better than most WWE stuff. But for some reason, when they first introduced this movie, they have this awkward close-up of Paige, um, a wrestler at the time, and also the movie is about her. So there's this awkward close-up. I'm going to move my mic first. It's like this close it's like super, super close up on her <laughs> face, except for the fact that like it's just cl- yeah, like Josh is close up like this basically, and she hey, just man. she just stands there with this awkward grin on her face for about two to five seconds of dead air that they never trim down because this aired for weeks. They never trim that down. It's super, super weird. I've just it was almost like Dora of like, have you seen my new trailer? Like that kind of dead space, and she just goes, Paige here, and it was just so awkward. And then 
what follows, I'll be honest, is one of the cringiest trailers I've seen in a while. So it's her and her brother in the movie meet The Rock, played by himself. And they're up-and-coming wrestlers that want to become big superstars. So they ask him questions about how to be a wrestler. And it is so cringy and so bad. It fits in the context of the movie, but out of context... I get they're just like, look, The Rock is in this movie. Because as Josh has highlighted numerous times on the podcast, The Rock was a key instrument in getting this movie made. He's the reason why this movie happened in the first place. So I get wanting to advertise him. But The Rock has two scenes in the entire movie. And showing one of them in the trailer is, one, misleading. But two, it's a terrible scene to show. And all the trailers for Fighting with the Family were awful. But the the marketing was epitomized by this whole page here meme that just went everywhere because it's a not a page is an attractive young lady the camera angle that they had on her was so awkward Mm -hmm. and just so unflattering that you're like oh okay take a step back from the camera please and that kind of was this cloud over the rest of the movie to the point of when i finally saw it i come out of going that was way better than had any right to be and it's hard enough to convince people to see a wwe movie because most of them are trash this was way better than it had any right to be, and it succeeded despite arguably having one of the worst off-the-block starts for a market campaign I've ever seen. I just remember seeing people who had no idea what WWE was posting page here memes, and I was like, oh no, it's really that bad, isn't it? Ugh. It was that like, bad. Like, I, I felt so bad for Paige. Because I was like, there's no way that that camera angle was her decision. Like, that's that's all WWE. It was it was so bad. It was such an so unflattering bad. camera angle. Yeah. It was... Mm, mm, so, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Absolutely. Not on my list. But... It's because you've repressed the memory, not wanting to think about it ever again. Yeah. And in the words of The Rock, what can I say except you're welcome. welcome. (laughs) I bring back your worst memories. Oh, no. Um, I only have one left, and you already know what it is, so... um... Uh, I've got two that I'm... I've got four left, but I'm sure at least two of them... I'll go for some so we can split it up a little bit more. I'm sure at least some of... (laughs) Mine are also yours. So, um, the trailer definitely hurt this movie, but this is one of those examples of someone involved with the movie should have just shut their mouths because Paul Feig is a very opinionated man, obviously, because his movies can be a bit divisive at times, as can the star of most of his movies, Melissa McCarthy. As was especially the case when they announced a new Ghostbusters movie in 2016. This movie was not going to be well received either way. And I'll be honest, the first trailer didn't wow me, but it wasn't an awful trailer. I know the like to dislike ratio on that trailer is horrendous because people are going, You can't have a female Ghostbusters. Me on the other going, I don't really care for the franchise, so I'm probably not going to watch this. The trailer... It wasn't bad, it just really wasn't particularly funny. Except for maybe one or two Kate McKinnon lines, which were pretty good. Um, but the trailer got a lot of backlash, so that put it on the wrong foot. But I remember distinctly the director coming out and saying, all these people that don't like the trailer are just... Um, 
angry men that don't want women Ghostbusters, like really bashing the audience. They're just like yeah. they're just Ghostbusters fans that need to grow up and understand that this movie's not for them. First of all, telling anyone that the movie is not for them, not a good thing to say when the movie has yet to come out still. You want to reach as many people as possible. I distinctly remember going, ooh, you're already on the back foot with this movie. Don't shoot yourself in the foot any more than you have to. And the same thing happened with Elizabeth Banks and Charlie's Angels of, um, well, this movie's not for men. Well, women didn't see your movie either. So what's the issue there? It's one of those times of, Sometimes you just got to take it on the chin that maybe the trailer isn't going to be well received and just kind of go with it. And if you have a good enough movie, you go, okay, just just trust us and see this movie. I I still have yet to see Ghostbusters. I don't care about the franchise that much. The trailers didn't wow me. I wasn't overly thrilled with the cast. But at the same time, having a director come out and say, basically, if you don't like my movie, you hate women, that's going to turn off a fairly decent amount of your audience there that's a dumb yeah. choice it's dumb i i have seen the ghostbusters movie um it's not bad it's fine it's a thing that happened yeah you know? but then again that's how i feel about most of the ghostbusters movies so yeah i think the big the big thing the big positive that i will i do have with this movie is um all four of the ghostbusters are decent people. <clears throat> mm, Bill Murray. It's not something I can say for the original Ghostbusters movies. So, Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So. Jeez. Uh, once again, we have to talk about the Tom Cruise because sometimes his movies from a marketing standpoint spail, spail. Spail? <laughs> spail. Spail. Fail spectacularly. Case in point, one of the worst movies I've ever seen, 2017's The Mummy, starring Tom Cruise. So, I must have missed the first batch of trailers that came out for this, especially the first, first trailer, which is now infamous for The Mummy. So, for those that don't know, The Mummy was more or less trying to reboot the Brendan Fraser one, except without the key ingredient of Brendan Fraser. Um, so that it was already on the back foot because people love the 99 one, myself included. There's pop figures coming out soon that I desperately want of Rick O'Connell because he's amazing. Um, so people were already not buying it. Well, you got to make sure that your trailer really, really knocks it out of the park to really get people on board. And also, if you are releasing your trailer to the public, please make sure that all the assets in the trailer are in your project <laughs> file. So, what I mean by this is the single funniest trailer of all time. So, what do you need for a trailer? Good visuals, good sound effects, good music, intriguing dialogue that tells you about what the movie's going to be about. Well, only like half of those were in this mummy trailer. As the visuals <laughs> are there, but there's no background music, there's no special effects noise, so the only thing you hear is dialogue that's it so like the action scene when the plane is about to crash you normally hear the sound of the plane caught on fire or the wind rushing by but instead 
you hear dead silence and a whole bunch of people going <gasps> as they're thrown around the cabin and as somebody gets thrown violently out of the plane <laughs> like it is the accidentally the funniest trailer you will ever watch and you will never complain about sound ever again realizing all the components have to come out it's like someone was making the project in premiere and turned a couple layers invisible that way they could hear and isolate a specific sound is this loud enough is this loud enough and then when they exported the file they forgot to make those layers visible again and it is the funniest thing i have ever watched and it single-handedly doomed the movie because it became a meme of screaming tom cruise and it is wonderful i sent it to josh earlier today to make sure he watched it and it is impossible to keep a straight face i showed it to one of my coworkers who didn't know this happened and i just hear giggling over the next cubicle over just going this is what happens when you don't double check before you hit save yeah oh my gosh like and as somebody who has worked with Premiere, I know how easy it is to just forget to turn a couple layers back on. But, like, how would you – it's just, a like, a billion-dollar company putting this out. Like, how do you just oh, yeah. forget? There's no way like, that that wasn't done ahead of time. Like, oh completed, completed. Like, normally trailers or projects are done with at least a day or two leeway. That way you can, like, schedule your uploads or whatever else. So this had to get past a few people. Like, did you just, do you not preview your projects before you send it out? That's so bad. It's so bad. It's so rough. And like, the worst part, I think, is even when they added the sound in and they got the the trailer with all everything else, it was still a bad trailer. It was still not a good trailer. Oh, man. But like, okay, seriously, imagine... Like, you know those funny videos of, like, people in bands, except without, like, the background instruments or whatever, of, like, those videos of, like, Elvis or whatever, except without the vocals, and it would be, like, if it actually sounded like this, and you have some idiot strumming the guitar or whatever else, that's exactly what this trailer was, except from a major studio published everywhere before it got quickly taken down, but the internet never forgets. Um, So, I've got two left. Josh, I'm assuming you can guess what both of them are, but let's talk about yeah. the one that I know for a fact is on both of our lists and the worst title for a movie this side of John Wick. John Carter. Oh my god, I love this movie, but let's agree to never call a movie John Carter ever again. But, like, to be fair, the name of the story that they're pulling is from John is Carter of Mars. Of Mars. So Which like, sounds better. Or, better yet, go with the sequel, it. The Princess of Mars. Okay, yeah, see, that's Edgar, not Edgar that's Rice not Burroughs terrible. has like 13 books in the Of Mars series. Just calling it John Carter is not good enough. You need something like Edge of Tomorrow we talked about. The name is not good enough. You need a reason for people to see your movie. John Carter is a... T- terrible name and the trailers did not explain what this movie's about also can we just have a quick moment of silence for taylor kitsch in that year that he had both battleship and john carter like dude need to fire his agent after that because have we seen him since yeah he's been in he's he's slowly making a comeback okay also he did x-men origins wolverine as gambit Okay, but like I liked him. As His Gambit. Gambit was perfect, but the movie was bad. Yes, 
Also, uh, Junie from Spy Kids is in that movie. Is in John Carter. Oh yeah, he is as Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yeah. Now that yeah. kid's married to Megan Trainer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm failing at life. I and swear. Macaulay Culkin has a kid now. Yeah, with London. He's like forty. I'm so proud, I'm so proud of him. Like, oh my gosh, he's my boy. But John um, Carter has the worst name of all time. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, John Carter. Yeah. I don't know. This is almost as bad as we were talking about uh, Star Trek and started instead started talking about Bible Man. Um, <laughs> Stay on target. I can't shake Stay it. Stay on target. I can't shake it, boss. Uh, look at that. A better sci-fi series. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Again, it's Josh saying this. Not me, but I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's but no, not yeah, just like the name. What else doomed this? Yeah, it's a generic name, and the trailer was generic. Tried to push it as like a sci-fi thriller romance, and it didn't. It's, I mean, that's what it's about, but like not what it's about. The same time, see. You know what I mean? Here's what I would label it down to. I remember hearing a lot of complaints from people that had saw the trailer that didn't watch the movie. They were just like, they're trying to steal or rip off Star Wars, basically. It's like Disney's doing Star Wars before they owned it. I'm going, here's what the trailers failed to do is John Carter of Mars, these stories by Edgar Rice Burroughs, were the actual inspiration for early sci-fi. So what they should have done in the marketing was lean in more saying... You love Star Wars. Well, here's what Star Wars was inspired by. This was yeah. the OG sci-fi before sci-fi, really, before anything else. And make it more unique. Because you and I both love John Carter. And it has nothing to do with our friend Willem Dafoe being in it, too. Um, nah. It's just a genuinely good movie and a very creative movie. But the movie material leading up to it... I remember the poster very, very well. You got that awesome silhouette of him in a reddish, goldish sunset, and he's walking away from the camera. I'm like, that looks cool. But that poster with the name John Carter is uber vague. It does not tell us a single thing about this movie. And then it's even worse with the second trailer when he's in the arena fighting the big um, furry creature. Again, does not tell us anything. If you showed the final battle when they're um, uh, on all the ships and everything fighting, that would have been a lot better. Show us the aesthetics of the world. What's the narrative? What's happening here? As opposed to, this is a dude that lands on Mars somehow. It. This could have been a major franchise for them, like Pirates of the Caribbean. But like in my last movie that we'll talk about here in a bit, they will never openly admit that they did this to themselves by how they marketed it. The name was dumb. The trailers were terrible leading up to it. And Disney, it almost seemed like they were embarrassed about this movie. And that's why the marketing was only like half speed. And like it was, I saw it a lot because they were marketing a lot at the Disney parks and I would go there for vacation. So I'd still see a lot of John Carter stuff. And I remember asking Disney employees about this movie and they even, they were just like, uh, I think it's based off of some old book. I'm like, you guys kind of need to know. Cause yeah. if no one knows what's happening here, this is not a good sign. Yeah. It's, 
it, it it's basically showing Disney's track record to basically give get promise directors certain things, and then when they give those directors those things, uh, they just don't do anything with it. Mm. Case in point, which I think is our last one. With Treasure Planet? It is, of course, Treasure Planet. Yes. Now, this is... I did a lot of research for this one, obviously, yeah. because I do... I care about Treasure Planet a lot. But also, this is the most, like, a... Just a groundswell of combination of things that yeah. just was working in this movie's favor. So, first of all, this movie is directed by uh, Musker and Clements, who also did, I believe, Little Mermaid. Um, they would go up and on... Um, end up doing Moana. They've done a bunch of Disney movies, but they were really passionate about Treasure Planet. And movie after movie after movie, they're just like, okay, we did this one. Can we do Treasure Planet now? And stupid Jeffrey Katzenberg, who, thanks for Quibi, Katzenberg, you're a genius, um, would tell them no and no time and time again, going, nobody cares about pirates. This is a stupid idea. Uh, eventually, um, he's like, okay, do this number of movies, and then I'll finally let you do Treasure Planet. So they did their allotted movies, which all of them are amazing. Um, but even then, Katzenberg did not care about Treasure Planet. He did not get it. The movie is honestly one of Disney's best of all time. And as much as I would like to see a live-action Treasure Planet... We never will because it would be Disney admitting that they screwed up because they did. Not the filmmakers. Treasure Planet is a masterful movie. There's a lot of factors that we need to break down here. First of all, Disney not getting behind it. And so the trailers, you could tell they don't have faith in it because I distinctly remember in all the trailers, they marketed two things. The hoverboard because, hey, kids, look at him surfing in air. It looks amazing. Yeah, it does. But tell us about the story. I knew the story because I read Treasure Island a bunch as a kid. Kids, Treasure Plan- Treasure Island is not like required reading. So you kind of at least have to lay out the basics for them. And to the other thing that they beat over your head in trailers, which still annoys me to this day, was how much Martin Short's Ben character was in this movie. Even though... He's only in the final third act of the movie once they actually get to Treasure Planet. They marketed Treasure Planet as a family-friendly kids comedy, which there's some comedic elements to Treasure Planet, but it is a swashbuckling adventure with a lot of deeper elements of uh, the desire for a father figure growing up into manhood, becoming the man you're supposed to be, responsibility... But they just kind of treated it like it was any other comedy of going, look, look at the funny robot man who kind of is like R2, like C-3PO. Like, he's not actually a big factor. And when you go back and watch the original trailers, it's all, here's this wacky fun adventure with a cyborg for an eye who wants his treasure. It's like, that's, you're misrepresenting the character of Long John Silver. He's a broken man, but he's still... There's still some good in him. It completely mm-hmm. undermines the dynamic of the story if you market it as, here's this fun, lighthearted action movie, where in reality, it was much better. But also, they undersold the technical aspects of this movie. So a lot of the movies at the time, since this came out in 2002, we had already kind of phased over into the Pixar era. 
the Iron Giant had the exact same problem of 2D movies were not doing as well. However, Treasure Planet was revolutionary in that it was using hand-drawn, matte paintings, and CG. When he is surfing on that surfboard, which admittedly was cool in the trailers, but they relied on it too much, there's those three animation styles all together. Jim is hand-drawn, the um, rotating um, tire that he goes through is matte painting, and then the surfboard itself is CG. And they were weaved it throughout the movie, and it's fantastic. But they're just like, oh yeah, it's just one of our regular movies because we don't care about 2D animated. Monsters, Inc. just came out for us last year, and it did gangbusters. So um, we don't care about 2D animated. What's crazy, hmm. what's even crazier is... So they develop all this this style of, of animation, right, in, in Treasure Planet, and they just kind of brush Treasure Planet to the side and say, the 2D animation is not, you know, it's not going to be a thing. And then make Tarzan 2D animated. No, Tarzan it's, was 99. Mm, yeah, Tarzan came before Treasure Planet. No, because they used the same technology. They literally... Uh, no, because that's what I, I read. No, I thought Tarzan I came first in 99. Because I remember they did have to do some CG for the vines when he was surfing. Well, because that's, that's what I'm, I I vaguely remember. Because that saying, was like the first rotoscoping, wasn't it? For They used a lot of rotoscoping for Tarzan. So they didn't have to like animate it frame by frame. Which is why in the Tarzan marketing, they relied on that shot of him surfing so much and then turning to face the camera in a dramatic fashion because yeah. that was revolutionary animation for the time. Uh, but yeah, Treasure Planet, they didn't want to... Oh, wait. Yeah, I know you're right. Dang it. They didn't want to market <laughs> right. it. Don't, don't talk to Josh anymore. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't acknowledge Josh. Um, the problem with... We don't acknowledge Josh anymore. Treasure Planet, they didn't want to treat it like the mature movie it was they did the same thing with atlantis however i think treasure planet is a better movie than atlantis both of these i think came out too late in terms of disney was clearly moving on to their 3d animated stuff which is why a lot of the 2d animated movies at the time like home on the range didn't do as well but also one it didn't have the support of disney but two home on the range is also pretty bad now all those factors is not enough for this movie because it's it's still kicking and Disney's trying to shove the pillow in its face even further just to kill this thing just to shut up and go away so Disney's had enough they're going fine we'll release your movie but we're going to screw you over you're going to come out November 27th 2002 and guess what it debuts fourth opening weekend it has to compete with three big huge movies number one at the box office is james bond's die another day which was already in its first or second weekend then yeah. in number two harry potter and the chamber of secrets which is your exact same audience as treasure planet came out two weeks earlier still going strong number three since it's november 27th you have to have a christmas movie playing opening november 27th adam sandler's eight crazy nights which, of course, is going to do well. Then Treasure Planet comes out. And then, because Disney is stupid and really hated Treasure Planet, they go, oh, we want you to go up against one of our own movies. The Santa Claus 2. 
a Christmas movie in the middle of Christmas time. We want you to go up against that movie because we have faith that you're going to succeed. Screw you, Disney. You let this movie out to die. Any one of these movies, James Bond, Harry Potter, Eight Crazy Nights, Santa uh, Santa Claus 2, both being Christmas movies in prime Christmas season, any one of those movies could have destroyed the box office for Treasure Planet. But put all four of them in one weekend, this movie has no chance. Disney, what were you thinking? Make this a September movie or a March or an April movie. You clearly did not care about this when you released this movie. You just wanted to get it out and hope that no one noticed. And in reality, it had one of the best movies that no one talks about, all because Disney screwed them over royally. Yeah, it's it, – it, and I think a lot of people saw the situation they put them they put Treasure Planet in and was like, there's no way that they did this thinking it was a good marketing move. They had to do this on purpose. That's the only way. And so, like, and unfortunately, yeah, I think we will never get a live-action Treasure Planet, even though I think nowadays that would do better than almost any movie out there. Yeah. But, it's again, it's, really sad. it's a matter of if that were ever to happen, it would be Disney admitting, yes, we messed this up the first time because – it was received incredibly well when it came out. It's still received very well. You still see a ton of people clamoring for this to get a live action remake. It bombed because Disney made it bomb. It wasn't the film's fault. It had ter- it had so much wrong with it of a studio that didn't want to get behind it, produced lackluster trailers on their behalf, and then release dates matter, people, especially if you have too many things coming out at once. I remember we talked about um, 2018 when Aquaman came out. There was Aquaman, Mary Poppins, um, Bumblebee, Into the Spider-Verse, and what we thought at the time was going to be a big deal with Holmes and Watson, the Will Ferrell movie, which was terrible, but we thought... This, these movies are going to cannibalize each other. And to a certain extent, they did. If they, those movies were spaced out better, they would have made a lot more money. Aquaman still went on to make a billion, but it could have had stronger legs off the bat if it was just separated from the rest. Having too many movies on the same day will destroy your box office. And Disney knows this, but they just wanted to shut Musker and Clemens up and just go, yeah, just go back to what we tell you to make. And they're still, as far as I know, they're still with Disney. But... Disney really did them dirty by how they decided to treat Treasure Planet. And I, I'm still salty and I will forever be salty about this because Disney had a great movie. They knew they had a good movie and they didn't do anything with it. Um, yeah, Josh, any, any last closing thoughts from you on this? No, I, I think something that uh, I thought of a lot when reading all the, these stories, um, something my dad and I say all the time, words matter. Or the lack of words matter. Like how you present your film is going to be the key re- key thing that brings puts mm, key things that, that puts mm, words matter. Yeah, words matter. And we're gonna end it there because I can't talk today. Apparently. Oh my gosh. Well, what do you guys think are some of the worst movie mistakes, either like 
bad trailers and turned you away from the movie, decisions that were made before the movie even came out that tarnished your view of the movie, let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.